It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. With the midterms in the rearview mirror, rumors are swirling around the number of potential presidential hopefuls in what could shape up to be a competitive presidential primary. With former President Trump already announcing his 2024 run, high-profile Republicans such as former Vice President Mike Pence, former South Carolina Governor and U.M. Ambassador Nikki Haley, and former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo spoke to voters and donors about the future of the conservative movement in Las Vegas this past weekend. And I just want to thank everybody because I know it was a night of uh, underwhelming performances across the country in terms of these midterm elections, but thanks to your support, the state of Florida delivered a true Republican landslide. Meanwhile, as Republicans prepare to take over the House of Representatives, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is looking to shore up support to become Speaker of the House, while different factions of the party are debating what issues they will focus on come January. For a conversation on this and more, we bring in our panel, founding editor at the Washington Free Beacon, AEI resident fellow Matthew Connetti, Fox News political analyst Juan Williams, and Washington, D.C. political anchor and correspondent on Fox News audio platforms, Jared Halpern. Jared, what about the takeover of the House and McCarthy's standing as he gets ready to head towards swearing in the new Congress? Well, obviously, you know, the math is what's going to matter here. And we have heard from at least a handful of Republicans that they are not inclined to support uh, Kevin McCarthy when the full House has to vote on its new speaker on January 3rd. Now, it's one thing to say that here uh, the last week or so of November. It's another thing to say that when you get into the new year and these choices become very real. Uh, But it shows that the work that that still has to be done by Kevin McCarthy, right? He is certainly getting pressure from uh, the Freedom Caucus, from the right flank of the House Republican Conference. I think conversely, you're going to see other factions try and um, sway the the speaker. You look at some of the Republicans who were just elected in the House um, majority, uh, some of these majority makers, right, from places like New York and the Midwest and California, um, who did not run on, on sort of a more Trump endorsed uh, platform are more moderates are going to have to get elected in two years when President Biden presumably is, is on the ballot. And you wonder what influence that's going to have as well as, um, you know, uh, the, the speaker elect here or the speaker designate tries to corral uh, near unanimous support from from the Republican conference. And I think that's what makes this most interesting, Brett, is uh, is it looks right now this Republican majority is probably in that range of, of three or four seats. That is not a lot of wiggle room uh, for somebody to become Speaker of the House. Meanwhile, there's counting still going on in California, which seems ridiculous, but it is. And the final number is not tallied as of yet. But to Jared's point, there will be a slim majority. If not McCarthy, then who? 
Well, I think that might be McCarthy's best bet for the speakership, Brett, the lack of an alternative. Uh, in the past, you know, uh, there have been um, potential candidates like Congressman Jim Jordan, uh, who was a co-founder of the Freedom Caucus, but uh, Congressman Jordan's a McCarthy ally. Um, now, we've been through this before. Uh, in 2015, McCarthy wanted to make a play for Speaker, but he was foiled, and that's how we ended up getting Speaker Paul Ryan. So it is possible that McCarthy's uh, second attempt also flops and we'll have some kind of consensus candidate emerge um, uh, that maybe we're not even thinking of right now. Steve Scalise, perhaps, who is uh, elected uh, majority leader designate in the next House. But the fact of the slim margin that they have essentially replicating the Democrats' current slim margin in control of the House of Representatives is what has made um the path uh, shaky for McCarthy. I still think he'll get it, but uh, it's a lot uh, going to be a lot harder than he expected. Juan, do you think the Biden administration changes its calculus on legislation heading forward? Is there more of a focus overseas and foreign policy, or is it just more of trying to play, as Mitch McConnell said, between the 40-yard line markers? I think that uh, there may be some efforts towards bipartisanship, right, uh, to say, hey, if you guys are willing, uh, we'd love to talk to you uh, on some issues. But, you know, just from a pragmatic point of view, they're very fortunate to have retained a majority in the United States Senate. And I think the focus there will be on judges and approving judges. I think they will move forward in terms of foreign policy issues. Um, and that, again, may invite some bipartisanship, you know, saying to the House, we've got to continue to support the Ukraine and oppose the Russian invasion. Um, and will you join with us? And is McCarthy strong enough to bring along people on the Trump uh, agenda who have been reluctant to support support or support financial a continued financial aid to Ukraine? But right now, I just think that what you've heard from Jared and Matthew is on target. Uh, you know, as we speak, Kevin McCarthy is down at the border. Why is he there? He's making a show of concern and outrage over immigration and promising that he's going to do something about it. I don't know that what it is that he thinks he's going to do, um, but I do think that it is making a demonstration to the right wing of his caucus that he is their guy, that he is going to pursue these high profile issues, antagonize Democrats. I think he said on the Sunday shows his goal was to stop the Biden agenda, fire Nancy Pelosi and gain a majority. And that's the kind of strong medicine that he wants to sell to his right wing to make sure that he is elected speaker in January. Yeah, but Juan, he goes to the border, right? And uh, even newly reelected Democratic Senator Mark Kelly says that the Biden administration does not fully appreciate the crisis at the border. Um, and he just said that after being reelected. He obviously campaigned on distancing himself from the Biden administration policy. We just saw Secretary Mayorkas up on Capitol Hill fielding questions again, saying the border is secure. And at the White House today, Green uh, Jean Pierre said that the McCarthy visit was a stunt, a political stunt. But yet, President Biden has not visited the border yet, Juan. So, for even moderates and independents, that starts to become a problem for the Biden administration, doesn't it? I think it is a problem. I think obviously that's why, uh, you know, the potential future speaker 
Mr. McCarthy is down there. He sees it as a weak spot uh, and he wants to exploit it. But I think in, initially the exploitation is for the benefit of his right wing base. Getting back to what you mentioned about uh, Senator Kelly from Arizona, he not only said that he doesn't think Democrats get it in its total understanding of the crisis on the border, he said Republicans are not doing anything and they also are delighted to just have the problem and use it as a political pinata as opposed mm -hmm. to solving it. And my sense of it is that it's always been the business of Congress to come up with a resolution. You look back at 06, you look at 13, uh, even recently under President Trump in 17, there was always an, a, there was a, some negotiation, some effort to come to a deal between the two parties. Right now there's nothing. And I think that suggests that both parties may be guilty of saying, you know what, politically, we see an advantage in keeping this issue alive. All right, we're going to take a quick pause here. We'll be back after this. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Jared, the problem with giant comprehensive pieces of legislation is that that comprehensive word just means it, it usually doesn't get done in Washington. But anything Republicans are going to agree on on the border is going to be border security first, which has been a stumbling block for Biden administration policy. Yeah, I mean, even if you go back before the Biden administration, Brett, I, I think we have seen that every sort of agreement that has been presented through these bipartisan gangs that the Senate always puts together has included both border security and a pathway uh, to citizenship or legal status as it relates to DACA recipients, as it relates to others who are in this country uh, illegally. And to Juan's point, um, those are two very different solutions um, that neither side seems to be very willing in this environment to move on. And so whether or not a, a divided Congress makes that more or less likely, I, I think remains to be seen. But we've seen a divided Congress before try and take up this issue unsuccessfully. And um, I'm not sure what in the environment maybe has shifted uh, over the last several years that that would make that outcome any different this time around. Matthew, you agree? I mean, is there a bipartisan take of this that uh, Republicans could somehow get their head around? Well, I don't think we need a bipartisan agreement to address what's happening on the border, Brett. I mean, what's happening on the border is the direct consequence of the president reversing all of the administrative and executive actions that President Trump took during his four years. And that is stopping construction on the border wall. That is ending the uh, remain in Mexico policy. That is tearing up these third party agreements uh, where the asylum seeker needs to stay in the first neutral country they reach and apply for asylum to the United States there. Biden did all of that within his first week in office. And the problem on the border has been uh, exploding ever since. So I think there are actions that the president could take right now, President Biden could take right now to help address the humanitarian disaster there. And I think that's probably what Kevin McCarthy is going to be saying. Um, and I think I think getting the, the flow of immigrants um, reduced is going to be the precursor to any bipartisan deal. But I, I don't I don't really see any bipartisan deal on in, uh, on immigration taking place. 
the fact is, is by, uh, McCarthy is going to be spending so much time trying to keep his conference together that um, a lot of the deal making, I think, will be will be short circuited. Finally, the only Republican candidate in the presidential race so far is former President Donald Trump. One, um, obviously, there's a lot of talk about others, including Ron DeSantis, uh, the governor of Florida. However, uh, Donald Trump is the only one in. And uh, what I hear around the country when I talk to people about this is that a lot of Republicans loved his policies, really did, loved his policies, but didn't love everything else and particularly didn't like January 6th and the fallout from it. Is there a possibility that the Republican Party in large gets over that, turns around, says, let's focus on the policies and go back that road? Well, I think that's exactly what you're going to get. You know, you began our conversation today by talking about the meeting out in Las Vegas, uh, where you saw so many of the potential candidates gather including Mike Pence, the former vice president. And what he said was, you know what? He thought they had a pretty good record, but it was time to move on, time for other choices. I think what you're going to see from uh, the Florida governor DeSantis is the same thing. You know what? I can play the same game, but I don't bring the static, the baggage. Uh, You stop and think about Mike Pompeo, the former secretary of state. None of these people are moving away strongly from Trump policies, they're moving away from Trump. Yeah. And Jared, but if more people are moving in to that thought process of getting into the race on the Republican side, doesn't that somehow empower Donald Trump to, if you have five, six candidates, all he needs is 25, 30 percent of the vote to win? Yeah, no, I think that's one of the the calculations that that folks are going to have to make. But I, I think to Juan's point, it's fascinating because when when former President Trump announced that he was running, what my initial reaction was is, what does this mean for others who are clearly interested in in running for president? And what's notable is it doesn't seem to at least yet have dissuaded anybody who are making some some pretty overt signs that they're ready to jump in. I mean, you look at the number of visits Mike Pompeo. Uh, the former secretary of state under the Trump administration has made to Iowa. You look at what uh, the former vice president Mike Pence is doing as it relates to his book and uh, the former U.N. secretary Nikki Haley. These are all folks that come from the Trump administration, able to sort of say it's the policies, not the politician. Um, And I don't know how big that lane is, but it seems like that lane could get crowded pretty quickly. Yeah. And last word, Matthew, I mean, I think the only person we've seen um, step back from the brink of possibly running is Tom Cotton, the senator from Arkansas, uh, who was rumored to have been considering it. Um, but it seems like full steam ahead, although a lot of these candidates arguably are not going to get in until the spring of 23. Right. And in fact, in the case of uh, former UN ambassador and uh, governor of South Carolina, Nikki Haley, she actually kind of flopped she she was going to run then she kind of said she wouldn't run if trump ran and but then this past weekend at the uh republican jewish coalition meeting she suggested uh, very strongly that she's going to run anyway so she's that's a sign that uh people are less deterred by trump's action than many would have thought but trump begins the race as a front runner there's no doubt uh, i've been struck though brett by the uh, speed with which DeSantis has caught up in a lot of these state polls and even some national surveys we're seeing. 
uh, with Trump and in, fun, in some of the state polls actually leading Trump. And what that suggests to me is as much as many Republicans love Donald Trump, they love winning more and they want a winner in 2024. And they're beginning to be skeptical that Donald Trump will be the person who can bring them back to power in D.C. after losing the House, the Senate uh, and the presidency uh, over the course of his term and beyond. Well, this will be something to follow, and we'll be following it for a long time. Panel, thanks so much. Now for a bit of history. On November 22nd, 1963, the 35th president, uh, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, was uh, assassinated in Dealey Plaza in Dallas while riding in the back of a motorcade with Lee Harvey Oswald firing the fatal shot. Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson would be sworn in as president on Air Force One just hours later with President Kennedy's widow, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, by his side, as seen in the now historic and infamous photo. Oswald, while being transferred by police, was killed by local nightclub owner Jack Ruby just two days later. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen ad-free with a Fox News podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Jared, Juan, and Matthew, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.